never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, a show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Unfortunately, we all go through a lot of shit in our time. And some of us more than others. <laughs> I certainly was a shit magnet. And I think to a certain degree, so is my guest today. And it's, however, our choice, it's our privilege to look at the world in a certain way. I have been far too long in the victim place. Poor me, poor me, poor me, another one. I then became the survivor. Um, and that's quite a nice place. But what happens if you actually learn to rephrase everything, learn the skills to really, truly move on, and then move from the survivor to the thriver phase? And that's the post-traumatic growth where miracles happen. And that's where my guest today, Stephen Avond, is absolutely spot on because he helps other peoples to transition from victim to thriver. And I can't wait to, to dig deep in. Stephen, welcome to my show. Thank you very much, Stefan. It's a, per a privilege to be here and I welcome it. How wonderful. Well, where to start? I mean, <laughs> we both have got a, a tremendous amount of, of um, trauma, I guess, darkness, but also uh, light in our in our stories. Then where did your story start? I mean, if we're going far enough back, I think it starts where a lot of people's does in childhood. Um, you know, my first experience that I can recall um, naturally would be watching my mother have her first grand mal seizure and me thinking that I had caused it by continuously interrupting her conversation with her friend. Oh. In turn, I thought she was dying and I thought I was responsible for this. So fast forwarding, you know, this carried on with me. It in turn actually sort of stole my voice for much of my life. And uh, furthermore to that, being raised in a household where bringing our issues to the light was not typically perceived in a positive manner, wasn't dealt with in a positive manner. Um, that further encouraged me to sort of keep those things inside. And that was something that I continued to live with for much of my life until I recognized that a lot of the characteristics that I had adopted in my life were viewpoints um, that I perceived what a man was supposed to be, but they inherently were toxic traits that I had to address and learn how to not only remove them, but what to replace them with. And so that led me through years of alcoholism, drug use, and various other behaviors that came along with those until I could finally own it, recognize it, learn to remove those things and develop past it to finally become the man that I always felt it had to be, I always needed in my life and that I could actually be proud of. <laughs> okay, guys, if you're on the podcast, you couldn't see my my face because I was laughing my head off here because exactly the words that you that came out of your mouth, I could have I could have said and it was it would have been truly from my heart. What were some of the the core beliefs that were laid down uh, uh, in you? What were sort of the the 
the heroes you aspired to in your old life, in this young life? I mean, ultimately, it came down to my idol as a boy was the gangster male figure. Um, I was raised to more or less perceive men as, you know, drinking, drug using, women chasing, aggressive, dominant male figures. Uh, and it wasn't until I could see past this that I understood what a truly balanced male was. You know, instead of forcing all those emotions down and hiding from them, yeah. you know, I, I learned that these are actually a strength that we need to embrace. And of course, I, I'm not saying that we need to just be blubbering all the time, but but if you can't actually confront your emotions, I mean, how strong can you really be? And so basically, I had to shift the perspective from this toxic version into what I now see as a much more balanced male uh, that embraces all parts of their masculinity and, <laughs> you know, steps up to be that man that can really carry the responsibilities that inherently belong to us. <laughs> well, I was born 66. So uh, in the 80s, that was that was my time. And there was a uh, lethal weapon, Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. And the opening scene of lethal weapon, he is in his trailer uh, somewhere on the beach. And he wakes up coughing, walks naked uh, to the toilet, has a beer in his hand, has a cigarette in his hand, taking a piss. And I thought, okay, that's a man. That's what a man needs to be like. <laughs> so like you, I had probably not the best role models there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you say that uh, chasing women, that was a, a, a big part of my upbringing as well. Uh, for me, my, my father, my stepfather, and to a degree, my father, um, both modeled that uh, a truly successful man is like James Bond, basically 15 mm -hmm. women around him. Was that the same modeling that you experienced? Or was that something that you took on from uh, whatever you watched, whatever comics you read, etc.? So I think media definitely added to it, but it was part of the upbringing that I was exposed to by my two, uh, my father and my stepfather as well, mm -hmm. both inherently demonstrated and told stories of, you know, their conquests, uh, the, the number of women, the, mm -hmm. you know, overall yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. And I understand that it was a different time as a whole, but it was still something that was passed down that Absolutely. I looked at as being, um, at our core being of you know a, a man what was the 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 role that your mom played in that in the sense of did she accept it or did she live a similar lifestyle so growing up that was sort of the polar um perspective that was one where it was, you know, if there was a sex scene on TV, it was like cover your eyes. And and I I could have been 16, 18. I could probably still be in that situation. And, you know, if she was still here, she would probably still be encouraging that. There was um a perspective of hiding it, you know, and and this is coming from a woman who had children with three separate men. So Clearly, it's not in practice, but it's something that was still shamed. And so I think when you take that mixture of shaming a male for what they are supposed to be, and at the same time, 
overinflating it in another aspect yeah. of it, it creates a confusion that absolutely makes it challenging to really find your true core. Oh, oh beautifully said. And that is actually the, the real crux of it, uh, because you're constantly um, torn between one and the other. Uh, and it's very, very hard to um, to develop a healthy attitude um, towards women. Now, there is one, one way of living in which you have many partners and basically use women and use not in a negative way but you your needs are being met and equally young women are sometimes also players they are also going out there and exploring their sexuality that was what the sexual revolution in the in the 60s was all about when the pill came in so let's not be silly here this is not just only something for men um so you you were sort of leaning towards a more toxic and more aggressive uh masculinity um was that um where was the line there between just having multiple partners and being toxic and too masculine where do you see that line so i mean when you mentioned the the aggressiveness um i, I feel that they were separate because i was never that way with a, a female by any means uh so the the toxicity that i find came into play was more so focused when it comes to women uh in hurting them you know, it was it was the lying. It, it's mm. the deceitfulness that came along with it. Mm. I think, um, you know, to each their own in the path that people pursue in their intimate relations. Um, but I think the important part is to do it with the best intentions mm. and to mm. do it openly so that everyone has their own choice to proceed as they like. Mm. And, you know, the, the part that I've always regretted is the damage that I've done. It's not so much the moments that I experienced because all of those experiences that I had, I feel were very pure in their sense. Um, mm. But it was the damage I was doing on the back end, um, mm. typically by cheating. That would be the toxic part in my perspective. I love that. Uh, by That's right. I was always very good in portraying myself as the best possible partner. And uh, sexually i had some skills that the women appreciated and so they were focused on me and then i dropped them like a hot potato and moved on and it was that kind of uh with hindsight i i cringe about mm -hmm. that kind of behavior so we have so basically there's a similar <laughs> quite similarities there actually man the the but where does that leave us today i mean we have got we have got such stories and and when you uh, honestly talk to men you hear it again and again uh, these are the same bullshit stories the same bullshit beliefs the same variations of a theme that are going through the, the head of men now we too seem to have been able to get our moral compass straight ish straight ish i would say um, the, um when you, however, look at the reality of one in three women in their lifetime, uh, the chance of them being raped, uh, one in seven men getting raped, uh, even worse figures for non-binary uh, uh, people. There's obviously there is a, a strong subculture somewhere where people don't get the line right. Why do you think that yeah. is? I mean, I think that like with everything in life, 
Um, all of the negative behaviors that people demonstrate are always directly reflective of themselves and their internal state. Mm. So, you know, the sad part of this, of course, is the people that are left in the wake. Um, but I think all of the uh, people out there causing this damage are so damaged themselves that we're losing track of how we fix this and we're always focused on band-aiding it. And the reality is, is that everybody that's out there hurting is perpetually hurting more people. And this is one of the phrases I use with my coaching is that just as hurt people hurt people, develop people develop people. Mm. And the more you can start focusing on that end of it and really seeing people for what they are and the fact that we are all inherently incredible beings, but a lot of us have been hurt so deeply and don't know how to get out of that darkness. Mm. And so I think that most of these people, you know, it could be a simple thing of lack of education that, you know, the odd boy out there doesn't understand what he's doing. But I think more often than not, the the antagonists in these situations are so deeply hurt themselves and this is not to excuse the behavior by any means um but on the flip side of it is to understand it's to, to seek to understand what's happening in the intention of resolving it rather than continuously just looking how to punish the people doing it you know i would like to live in a world that this doesn't happen in well and we have to start with actually talking about it. And therefore, people like you who are going out there and addressing um, men's health from, from a growth perspective, from a let's develop into a better human being. And as part of that, we deal with some of the shit in the past, but more in the sense to put the baby to bed and allow you now to change. Because like you, I strongly, strongly believe the past does not equal the future. Um, however, there are certainly some deep late traits within us. And if we don't explore some of them and understand how they, uh, the, 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 these messages, often obscure and weird messages from the past, how they still influence our daily actions, our daily habits, uh, the way we get triggered um, by someone, let that be a, a a glance that someone looks at you in a certain way, and you're going to go onto the offensive. It's it's those kind of things. So mm -hmm. beautiful. And I wanted to, to lay that out because here we are talking about men being men. And I wanted to very clearly uh, delineate a, 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 a toxic masculinity um, or, or the masculinity being a man and going over the corpses of, of, of whoever is in your way um, to being a man who is confident in himself, who has got the strength and an ability to use the strong side of himself to the advantage of him and of those around us. Um, I and I think that's such an important bit that we actually highlight that. Um, there is this this this, I think masculinity has gotten lost uh, in somewhere the last 10 years, 15 years. Um, it, what is your take on that? I mean, you're do do you think that men are still men, or are we weak, weak, limp-wristed um, caricatures of ourselves? 
I would like to think that there are still strong men out there. And, and I know there are because I know some of them. Um, I think percentage-wise that we've fallen into a society where men are afraid to be men or mm. they are not taught how to be. Often we are being raised by boys to be grown boys, you know? And, <laughs> and the Beautiful. thing is that we need a strong male figure to yeah. teach us the path to become a man. And often we're not getting that in our society. So I do agree that I think the male strength is fundamental in that, of course, we need it to benefit ourselves. But more importantly, I believe that a strong male is selfless and looking to uplift the rest of society, their family, their people, as well as themselves. And so when we can get into that mindset of that, this is not all about me. We can lose a lot of those past victimhood mentalities, and we can start to really address what is going to actually motivate us to be the best person we can be, and how we can build these disciplines into us that can help us to really spread the strength and encouragement and positivity of what the masculinity really can be. Beautifully said. I mean, there's there's a saying, um, hard times create hard men, mm. hard men create good times, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times. And I think that is something that that unfortunately we are seeing in in Western societies, certainly. Um uh and and people around us. So I I, mean, I think from generation to generation, uh, it seems to change. But I guess every generation has said that about the, the juniors of the next. I think there's a it beautiful saying from, <laughs> I think Plato uh, at, at some stage was a, many thousand years ago said exactly, look at these young people there. They are slurping and being disrespectful. And 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 when you read it, you think, yeah, that's that could be my neighbor. And it was actually, you know, 3,000 years ago. So whilst there is a repetition happening, uh, um, and obviously perceived changes, uh, there are still, though, um, the problems that are arising. Um, and I think if you have got a man who is hurt, who has not learned boundaries, who has not learned to feel his emotions, who has not learned habits to become more resilient, it's maybe not a surprise that the rates of domestic violence are going through the roof and that that people seek to escape their reality with whatever just comes to hand. Let that be drugs, mm -hmm. alcohol, sex, gambling, uh, sh shopping, being 12 hours on your phone, etc., etc. So the addictions is huge. How do we break that? How the hell do we, I mean, now that we have accepted that the society is really, really <laughs> not in a good state. Um, so where do we go from here? Well, I think number one, you, you touched on it, is a lot of the aggression that comes out is suppressed emotion. So we need to learn how to actually experience our emotions. Hmm. We need to recognize that a lot of the things that we're hiding uh are you know from our emotions with hence all of those addictions that you know the list just continues um are not actually beneficial to us mm -hmm. you know so often when i speak with people they're not willing to give these things up because they find it fun they actually think it's adding quality to their life mm -hmm. 
step one is we need to recognize these things. We need to be aware of them. And then from there, we need to fill in the blanks on what it is you need to be doing to actually get you to these levels of fulfillment so that you can perpetually build yourself to be that better person. Hmm. And as you find that path and you build yourself into it and you have the discipline to actually continue along that path, then we start to see the characteristics change in the person. And when you see that happen in one person, it draws others in as well. You know, that's the law of exposure. Once once one person shines brightly, the other people might hide it first because their eyes are so accustomed to the dark that they can't <laughs> deal with the brightness that's coming. But once yeah. their eyes adjust and that person just keeps shining and doesn't allow their light to dim because of the hate that might be coming early on in their process, mm. eventually other people become attracted to that because mm. it is the better life. And so I think it's a matter of, you know, taking those steps, pushing through, and then lifting up others with you as you are reaching the stage where you are an elevated individual. Mm. And I think you start small and perpetually, you know, the more conversion into this way of being, the more <laughs> others will be, you know, naturally uplifted as well. So true. So true. Um, and I think you, it is, we forget how powerful we can be with simple gestures of actually holding a gaze and being just, just friendly, um, being, being, uh, you know, I've, I've been yesterday, I've walked into a supermarket and um, my eyes sort of came on my, my head swiveled around and there was a woman who walked in our eyes met there was just a nice confident smile in me and suddenly her her face erupted into a similar confident smile and it was I created a smile I created something mm -hmm. positive there and it was so nice to be nice to the checkout operator, to be just simple acts of kindness uh, can make the world of a difference. Now imagine if we actually don't just do that by accident, but actually try to live intentionally in our lives to accept that the past is gone. You can't do much about it. And the future hasn't really arrived yet. So do you really need to worry so much about it? Uh, but actually, rather, right now, living in a moment, right now, I'm sitting here and talking to you. And Stephen, I'm I'm in this moment. And this is beautiful. I absolutely cherish your energy, cherish your passion, cherish your your insights that make me think this is living with intention. And I think that is something that so many of us are missing. Because we are sidetracked, we are on a, in a rat race, we are in a bloody uh, hamster wheel, really. That's the only, the best description that I can come to it. How do we stop? Because when you're in a hamster wheel, everything is going so fast, you just keep going, 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 going. How do we stop? Well, I think once again, it's, it comes back to acknowledgement. You know, you need to know that you're on the hamster wheel. But then it's just those little steps, you know, and if we aim too high, we often stack too many losses in our day and it mm. becomes discouraging and we say, oh, this isn't working. Mm. So we need to find processes that will actually uplift us in our day and we need to stick to them long enough that we actually start to see the, the benefits that come from them. 
And so I think you, you touched on it beautifully with a smile. You know, these small kindnesses that we can mm. give to others that cost us nothing can mm. be so powerful. Mm. And, and in that moment, it can also slow time a little bit. You know, instead of you just blasting through and grabbing mm. your groceries and getting out as quickly mm. as possible, mm. those interactions actually add a little value to the mm. moment. And it slows it where there's a recognition. You just had something occur opposed to just this blur that we typically live through. Nice. And so I think the more of those we do, we actually slow our experience of time down mm. where we can start appreciating those little moments for what they are. And the more we do those, the more we can spread that to others mm. and the more we can appreciate it in our own life. And then taking the time to unplug from things, you know, having those conversations, once again, as you pointed out, mm. conversations allow us to connect with mm. another human. And that is one of the most cherished and valuable things in our lives. And mm. so often we're not doing that. Even if we are on social media doing that, it's just through a photo or a video. It's all past. We're basically addicted to living in the past. Everything that we experience on social media is a past occurrence that's been brought up and we're recycling <laughs> it over and over again. You know, and then on the flip side of that, we're constantly projecting ourselves to the future. And this is why we're so riddled with anxiety and depression. We're not living in the present moment. And so when we get to have these experiences, we get to actually have the true human connection and it gives a different feel to the mm. day. You know, every time I end a podcast or I end a coaching call or I, I end in the past my dog training lessons, I leave in such a high. And these are true, authentic highs. Mm. This is what we're supposed to nice. be experiencing on a nice. regular basis. Nice. So yeah. often we think we're experiencing highs uh, by feeding ourselves bad foods, you know, drinking smoking whatever it is though back to those vices and we feel a synthetic high in the moment which has always resulted with a major drop off because they're not real they're synthetic and they're created to just give us a moment of you know that experience but it's not perpetually it's not sustainable whereas these continuously raise our elevation they raise our energy level and they add value to our lives beautiful and i think that and we recognize that our body recognizes that because there's sustained uh flow on effect uh, of such things mm -hmm. like right now me just reflecting on that little glance um as it so happened that little glance as fleeting as it was probably less than a second uh it it, it had come back to me several times um in in the subsequent hours where i actually made, made me feel good and mm -hmm. so your body recognizes the true moments that matter uh and it can distinguish and equally yesterday i had uh, probably not such a great day um so i actually ended up eating quite some shit food not just my normal uh my normal lovely mediterranean food plan and I paid a price for it. 
I didn't feel good. It did. It gave me a, a sugar high for a short period of time, and thereafter, I like felt like shit. Um, so here you go. So your body actually does recognize it, and once again, it comes back to the let's actually listen to our body and uh, listen to what it tells you, because many of our feelings are messengers, messengers from our body, from our soul, from our spirits. Um, and we 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 just try to push these emotions aside and think, nah, nah, I don't want to feel like that. Because when I look in the television and I see a Coke advertisement, they're all young, they're dancing, and they're feeling good because they've got a Coke. Fuck off. Um, so... <laughs> How do we how do we get our youth, our teenagers who have grown up with three, four, eight hours of social media and of social engineering, of people who are spending gazillions, literally gazillions, uh, on changing minds? Uh, oh, what's the word? morphing people into this kind of sheep that are consuming things that we're going to push at them. How do we stop that? How do we stop this reliance on artificial artificial happiness? They need exposure. They need exposure to what's really going to bring them a true feeling of happiness. Mm. And Ultimately, I think that fitness is always a key component to that. Mm -hmm. By the time, if you bring your child with you and they see you working out on a regular basis and you encourage them to do the same as they mature, they are going to understand the mm -hmm. difference between when they leave the gym or whatever it is that you're doing, that elevated state compared to the synthetic forms. And then, of course, one of the things is feeding them real food, you know, uh, you need to expose them to what real food does to the body and how it makes them feel. And then when they eat the, you know, we call it food, but most of this isn't even food. But when they eat the other stuff, they will also recognize the difference. And, mm. you know, all the advantage to the toxic garbage that we call food nowadays it ends with the taste buds you know after that it's all downhill whereas when we eat healthy food the benefit continues and it's the same as what we were just talking about with the human connections hmm. you know the easiest way to see if these things are good for us or not is to simply remove it remove it for seven to 30 days and you'll i mean within a day, a day or two you will recognize if that thing in your life is beneficial or not because a day or two of removing the gym and good food from my life and i feel my emotions and my energy drop real quick if I, on the flip side, remove any junk food or, I mean, I no longer drink or anything, but as soon as you start pulling these vices, life only gets better. So there might be an adjustment phase if you're used to, you know, being raised on these foods or with this, you know, social media or whatnot, because your body's craving it. But once the cravings pass is where you can really see the, the uplifting effects of the removal. Mm. And so, I mean... It's really taking responsibility as the parent because you're the only one that cares about them enough to make it happen. Hmm. And although it might not be easy, it's only going to be harder on your child to live a life following that path. You know, so making the conscious decision to teach them 
a better path when they're young, even if they divert from it, they will be aware of it and hopefully find their way back. Beautiful. Absolutely. And I think it's that modeling, but it's also modeling to ourselves. Um, sometimes mm. it's really, really hard to to do the right things because there is the inner Schweinehund, as I call that person in me, who tries to derail me, sabotage me, um, who gives me the imposter syndrome, who gives me all those negative talk, talk, talk that can easily, easily push me over. Um, so it is a matter of creating habits. Um, I used a five-minute gardener principle. Um, so I always say, look, if you imagine you have a garden and from now on you make a point of going into your garden five minutes a day, every day, without fail, never less than five minutes, never more than five minutes. Can you imagine that after a week you see a difference in your garden? And can you imagine that after a month, your family says, wow, that looks nice. <laughs> and maybe after three months, you probably get bus tours coming along and sort of watching your garden. Um, that's five minutes in a day, which is a tiny amount. That's, that's far less than 1% of your time. If we were to do exactly the same thing uh, with other habits, um, for like five minutes food preparation, Let's just mm -hmm. call it like that. Because often enough, when we come home and think, oh, God, I'm tired. What do I eat? Uh, let's order a pizza. Um, no, five minutes uh, food preparation. You could have thrown things into a crock pot and uh, done that and switch it on. You come home, you've got the house smelling of some beautiful uh, chicken casserole or whatever you've made. Uh, stuff that is healthy and has got 10 different veggies in it. That is a little bit of... of of preparation. So maybe it is creating these habits. It is putting our mind in a very prophylactic and preemptive way um, towards it. Is that something that you strongly subscribe to? Or um, how do you play your own day? I mean, there must be days when you don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with your inner Schweinehund? So I think you know, prioritizing your time is key. You know, so often people are like, well, I don't have time for that. But when they really assess what it is they're doing in their day, they had all the time in the world to do the better thing. They just didn't prioritize it. Right. A hundred percent, there's days where I don't want to do what it is that I've committed to do. <laughs> this, of course, is where the discipline kicks in. And when you do habits long enough, they become disciplined. Hmm. And I... I view that inner voice as two things. And too often, people are giving themselves compassion in times where they should be giving themselves compression and re in reverse. So, so often people will wake up and they're like, oh, I'm tired. I want to hit the snooze button. The brain says, yeah, go ahead and do that. You had a rough week. My brain says, shut the fuck up, get out of bed and go. You've committed to this, mm -hmm. you are doing it. Mm -hmm. So in the times where I want to give in and not do what it is that I'm supposed to do, I am harder on myself and I push myself forward. On the times that I'm then up and I go, oh, I'm tired, I flip that to, no, you're killing it. You are doing amazing, keep going. So where most people are going soft on themselves in times where they feel weak, I am 
being rigorous and pushing myself forward. At times when I need it, I am then switching that to uplift myself to continuously push myself forward. So I am basically operating on the opposite spectrum of it. How do you recognize, though, that you have burned a candle on both ends and in the middle? And everything is a fucking wildfire. Where do you, where do you, where, where is the alarm button? Um, how can you recognize alarm button and not push through it? I'm very good in pushing. I can push, 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 push. And it, we call it boom and bust behavior. Uh, you push, push, push and crash. Push, 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 push crash. Uh, that was my path. So how do you avoid that? Yeah, so I mean, number one, it goes back to really listening to your internal state, right? Oh. You need to be listening to your emotions. And and so I have structured routines to my day. I do not give up on those. Mm. They are what I've committed to, and they build my inherent value. Nice. So mm. on the flip side of that, I have flex time. Oh. And if I'm at the end of my night, working and i'm exhausted mm. i am going to go to bed earlier nice but regardless of what time i go to bed i wake up at 5 a.m 365 days a year whether i'm sick i'm happy i'm grumpy i went to bed early or late now my bedtime can fluctuate according to what i need mm. so if i'm hitting a state where i know i've been working hard and i can feel it i'm going to take that opportunity to go to bed mm. earlier when i have on the flip side i've also noticed that a lot of these energies that we feel like we're missing they come from us eating that crap food so not having the energy internally mm. they yep. come from the abundance of negative self-talk and focus on negative perspectives in life mm. Mm. they come from us giving energy to people and things that don't need it and don't serve us well and when we start to take all of our energy back from those things all of a sudden i don't burn out nice i have all of the energy to do the things that i've committed to and nice. more because i'm putting it where it needs to be and i'm not burning it in ways that people think are feeding their life you know, so you eat that shit food and then you complain about being tired. Well, of course you're tired. You haven't <laughs> taken in any nutrients. You know, you focused all day on the terrible things happening in this world. And then you complain about being tired. Well, of course you're tired. You just burned all your energy on something you can't control and doesn't affect you personally. <laughs> so by shifting these things, Instead of us giving our most valuable commodity, which is our energy, yeah. to things that don't serve us, and then wondering why we have none left, I prioritize it to the things that serve me, and not only serve me, but actually build more energy in my life. Wow. Wow. Now, that was a superb answer to my challenging question. Uh, I take my hat off. That was very well phrased. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. Okay. It is said that uh, if a life is worthwhile living, it's worthwhile recording. Uh, what do you see as the, the role for journaling? Uh, what do you see uh, for as the role of to-do lists? Um, which way uh, do you use both? Do you use one over the other? Or how do you figure uh, or what, what do you recommend people to do? Yeah, I live by a blueprint. So I have structured things in my day that 
like I said, don't fluctuate. Hmm. I also have a very busy schedule. So I keep a schedule and I keep to-do lists and I keep lists of pretty much everything I need to do so I can prioritize them. And I don't have to continuously be going back to them and once again, wasting my energy. Hmm. I also think that journaling is of great value. I use it for multiple things. I use it to track my regret from the previous day so that I can address if it's repeating itself. I use it to attract to track a few things that I'm grateful for each day so that I bring those to the forefront of my mind. I use it to journal some of the highlights from my previous day because I know that with the way that society is, we have so much information coming into our brains on a daily basis that so many things get forgotten. And so this is something that I'm able to actually go back and reflect on. And then I use it to project something that I would like to add and develop into my life. So a forward that I would like to attract to me. So I see value in all of these things. And I think that they're great tools that can enable a life to be not only documented, but structured and developed in various ways. Nice, nice. I I look at it exactly the same way. And I use uh, to-do lists often also as a way of recording things. And instead of just putting two words there by groceries or so, there might be suddenly a a paragraph in there where I'm actually writing something down, uh, etc. So I'm, uh, it becomes a mix and match. But one way or the other, I use the power of writing um, to to draw out thoughts that maybe otherwise would have not come. Um, I certainly, when when in the past, when I wrote My Steps to Sobriety, when I wrote it the first time, I remember one day I had a writer's block and I, I just didn't know what to write. Um, and so I forced myself to do some crazy writing, which basically means you just literally write. Uh, write some whatever shit. You start with a really shitty sentence and suddenly it was kind of like an out of body experience. Uh, My fingers kept writing and stuff came out and I kept reading like a third person over the shoulder of the writer. And I thought, what the hell is, are you writing there? And it was actually a very, very deep, deep stuff that came out there. And that was something that I had never seen happening or experienced prior to that. And that brought home to me the power of actually writing things down and actually letting uh, letting your your mind put some emotions into words. And suddenly these these words make it more real, make it a fact, make it whatever your emotion was. It might have been complete absolute bullshit and and, and a complete surreal, stupid thing. But the moment you write it down, it actually you suddenly begin to realize that is bullshit. So again, it comes in so many ways that it can help you. But also, as you said earlier, it slows you down. It forces you to actually be here and now uh, because you're in the writing process. So no, I love it. Um, So many, so many cool habits you have done. But ultimately, if I really look at and listen to what you're doing, um, you have created um foolproof habits and i think there is something to be said about uh, that 80 percent of success is showing up and that's what you are modeling you're there getting up at five o'clock in the morning 
I just want to say one thing though. Uh, this we all have got circadian rhythms, which means that there are certain times in your day where you are at your peak, and there are certain times when yeah, probably not so. And we are all different. Okay, so if you track me out of bed at five o'clock in the morning, I'm useless. I'm useless unless it is a really life and death emergency. Then I can switch into hero mode. That's okay. But otherwise, I wake up nowadays. I wake up at 7.30. And why do I say that? Because I forced myself to get up at 6 in the past. And I paid a price for it. I was not my my optimal best. Um, I was not the... The, the productive guy I had far more lows throughout the day so it's it's something again it's a journey that you all guys every viewer listener it's a journey a personal journey about what you need to go on to this is your own lord of the rings you are frodo and you need to get that bloody ring somewhere to a bloody mountain um now your path will look different than than stephen's path or my path but there are great similarities. There's they're all meandering paths. They're all crazy paths where you have got a few few ogres and and not so nice people uh, in your way. That's cool. Uh, there will be trauma, but there's also if you learn to put the principles into place, um, then there will be great great revelations about yourself. So uh, don't think that because Stephen gets up at five, you need to get up at five. <laughs> but Stephen gets up and starts a routine. So what is your routine, guys? What is your your path forward? But often enough, Stephen, I mean, often enough, you know, it's all quite nice to make all these beautiful things from tomorrow onwards. And yeah, typically on the 31st of December, people sort of say, yeah, from tomorrow onwards, that's it. I will change everything. I will change my nutrition. I go to the gym. I go to... Uh, and then eight days later, 10 days later, you <laughs> set yourself up to fail. Um, how do you start? Where to start? You have to know yourself. You have to know where your strengths and your weaknesses lie. And you have to prioritize what it is that's going to have the most impact. Mm. Most often, we need to look at what do we have to remove from mm. our life. Because if you're drinking on a regular basis, there's no way you will possibly be able to develop yourself to your utmost potential mm. doing everything else that's fantastic. Mm. So we need to know what needs to be ripped out of our life. Yeah. And we need to know what we can feasibly continue with. Because if you keep failing, you're just going to stack losses in your life and you're going to feel worse about yourself. And it's all about the mindset. We need to be developing our mindset to a better place. So knowing what it is that you can start with, that you can actually stick to, and then compounding off that. Nice. You know, so pick something little. Mm. You know, if you eat out seven days a week at McDonald's, let's start with five, you know, mm -hmm. just chisel away at it. And as you're fixing and you're improving and you're working through these processes and you're continuing to expand and improve on them, mm -hmm. you'll keep feeling better about yourself. You can continuously build more discipline into these natures mm -hmm. and continue to build yourself into that person that you know you want to be. Mm -hmm. One of the things I always start with all my clients too is literally sit down and write out what it is that you want to be. If you were to look inside 
and see the person that would be your best self in all aspects, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, socially, mm. you name it, write it out, mm. figure out the person that you really want to be. Because without knowing where you want to go, it's really hard to get there. Mm. And then once you know, you mm. can reverse engineer it, and you can start breaking down the patterns that don't serve you mm-hmm. and building it the ones that do. That's well said. And I think that's the that's the the fair starting point, isn't it? You you have to know who you want to be. And most of us do not really function like that. At least in my experience, the people around me. Um, we are all we have sort of grown into people who are trying to fulfill all those kind of roles in our lives the father the husband the the leader at work the the bringing money in guy um and we are sort of floating it seems like like a cork floating on the surface of an ocean uh being being hammered by waves and it's high time that we are actually trying to think who do we want to be when we grow up and it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 70. And I think that is a, a, a privilege, an opportunity that we can take at any any second. I mean, right now, you guys out there watching this video or listening to this, this podcast, I congratulate you because here you are, you have taken already action. You have already spent considerable amount of your time. For that, I thank you um, that you trust in in, in Stephen and me um, uh, to to actually listen to us. You actually spent far more than one percent of your day. One one percent of your day is fifteen minutes. So if you think about that, this is actually you know can you can you allocate fifteen minutes one percent of your day to you becoming a, a better version of yourself. However busy you are, trust me, there will be, it will be very easy. If you put your mind to it, it will be very easy for you to find those 15 minutes. And in those 15 minutes, you could do maybe 5%, uh, five, five minutes um, working on a food plan or some something, maybe health and nutrition. Five minutes of rest, of just actually switching everything off and just being calm. And maybe five minutes of exercise. Um, don't go nuts. You don't need to to have a the gold star gym membership and now spend every waking hour in the gym to get fit. Why not start your exercise low and slow by just putting more activity into your into your daily life? Uh, park further away from the 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 shopping center if it is safe to do so in your area. Um, uh, try to use the stairs whenever you can. Um, Walk a little bit further uh, in front uh, before every meal, um, so to open up the glucose receptors in your muscles, so that the, the glucose that you're eating, the sugar that you're eating, uh, is going actually into the muscle, not into the liver, and then into the fat stores. Shit, little shit like that. Uh, it is it, three little things you have done in less than one percent of your day, but I assure you that these three things will compound. Number one and number two they will inevitably lead to other decisions that probably are a bit better for you over the day rather than the decisions that have been sort of happening or not happening as as it is oh wow so uh, stephen you're an amazing man you've got you've got a lovely way with words you've got a lovely way a lovely 
sense of clarity. Uh, you can cut through the fog of uh, sometimes misinformation and, and weird things out there in a really lovely way. Um, so, uh, wow. Um, if people want to know more about you, if they want to uh, figure out maybe how can they work with you, tell us, where can they find you? Instagram's definitely the easiest way to get in touch with me. Follow my story. I post mm. it on a regular basis. So you can even see a lot of my processes mm. just by naturally following along. My brother's keeper coaching uh, is my Instagram handle. Mm. If you're not on social media, then I do have a website as well, which is my brother's keeper coaching.com. And I am on Facebook, uh, TikTok, and YouTube as well. So I think I am available on all those as well. Under the same handle. Um yeah guys look down there into the description of the youtube video and the podcast because all of his information is down there what have you got to lose um it's all i mean we we talked there were so many nuggets so many beautiful pieces of information in this video but sometimes it can be so overwhelming so it is said that if you surround yourself with six idiots you will remain an idiot <laughs> or become one if you haven't been one. <laughs> if you surround yourself with six millionaires, you will become a millionaire. If you surround yourself with a power team in which one of these members of the team is a coach such as Stephen, can you not imagine that you, instead of you trying things out, that you get a, a bit of a head start and that you can actually not make life much, much easier and be more likely successful in in the outcome compared with if you don't have an accountability partner if you don't have someone who maybe you know shows you your your ways which are not so clever um so i know what i would do if if i wanted to uh make some serious change in my life and incidentally that is what i do so here you go it is uh, guys don't accept your life that you live right now as that's it um you know it was what it was kind of a thing no this is the starting point and the more pissed off the more angry the more the more upset the more emotional you are i congratulate you because that is the the moment when you're outside of your comfort zone that's the moment when when actually you're pulling back the tension on the bow and you now need to figure out in which direction do you want to shoot your your arrow because that is now now you're in the right right frame of mind kick ass um and develop into that new human because really the, god knows uh, the, the world needs needs men and women and how it needs humans who can model a life that's worthwhile living. And maybe with that, we create an, an avalanche effect. With that, we create a, a movement of people who say, no, nah, that's actually bullshit. Uh, I, I know how to live my life proper. Uh, that would be nice. And maybe with that, we can make this world a better place. Stephen, you're an amazing, amazing man. Um, if there was one thing if there was one message that you could send to your younger self what would it be just understanding that life is so beautiful and limitless all of the challenges when you pursue through them and really embrace them just bring you to a better place they're all an opportunity for growth and strengthening and you know 
it's just embrace life on every single plane and understand that it will always get better. I love that. Stephen, you're an amazing man. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. You certainly made me look at certain things uh, in a different way. For that, I'm very grateful to you. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cool. And you guys out there, look after yourself and live with passion. Bye. I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.